Hey everybody, welcome to episode four. Wow, already episode four of the Business Line podcast. My name is Brian. This is my partner in crime. Manny. Manny, happy to have you here, buddy. It's been a week. I've missed everybody out there. Um, we've got a fantastic show set up for you guys today. We've got Corinne Koger with us today. Corinne founded a, a law firm called Koger Law Firm, which is a boutique firm specializing in trademarks, copyrights, and contracts. But this wasn't just another firm. It was also mission-driven in a way that aimed at transforming content creators into bona fide business owners. That's a big, big thing happening right now because so many people out there creating so content. So, Brian, she started in 2019. And then in 2021, once the NCAA allowed student athletes to make money off their names, image and likeness, which is like, uh, you know, yeah, that's longer version of oh, we're going to talk NIL. about that big time today. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, big, yeah. big thing going on with with student athletes right now. Yeah, and she's at the forefront of it. So can't wait to get started. So today, uh, Coger Law Firm has helped countless creators safeguard their creative works. Corinne has transformed her clients from just content creators into proud owners of robust intellectual property portfolios. Corinne, that would be interesting. So happy to have you here. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. So Corinne, tell us about yourself. What's what's your story? Okay. Thank you guys for having me. Number one, uh, my name is Corinne Coger. I'm the owner of Coger Law Firm, which is a boutique law firm that specializes in intellectual property and NIL. Uh, so by way of background, I've always been interested in media. Um, in high school, in college, I did everything media. My um, major at Hampton University was mass media with a focus on broadcast journalism. Um, somehow... I was convinced to go to law school. So I then attended law school at Howard University School of Law. Again, taking a lot of courses in intellectual property. Um, but when I came out, and like most people who, you know, are thrust upon the job market, you know, you take the jobs that you get. Um, you don't necessarily um, start out where you want to. So I started my career at the public defender's office in the state of New Jersey. Oh, wow. um, then went into insurance defense law which is interesting. So car accidents, slip and falls. So I was a trial attorney. So all oh, that wow. stuff okay. you see on TV, um, law and order. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Um, but uh, media, like I said, had always been my passion. So when it got to the point where I could not stand going to work anymore, I said, okay, I need to open up my own shop. I was able to um, take courses to become an intellectual property pr practitioner because um, law school doesn't teach you how to practice law. And i um, been doing this since 2019. Wow. So back up a little bit. You There, there came a time when you couldn't stand going to work anymore. Tell me about that. Um, so I would get in my car in the morning and cry. <laughs> I don't want to bring up old story. emotions, but what led to that, Corinne? Because honestly, I think a lot of us as business owners, we get to that point. I think a lot of people get to that point. And it takes some courage. But tell us about yeah. you in particular, your, what happened with you. It was, it was just grueling. Um, I enjoyed being a public defender. Um, that's not the job that made me cry. I enjoyed you know, helping the indigent def defendants. Unfortunately, people do not pay public service workers um, what they should be paid. Couldn't pay the bills, couldn't pay student loans. So, you know, like I said, I went into insurance defense and my schedule was just grueling. Um, for those of you who are, who are familiar with the East Coast or New Jersey, um, I would get up in the morning on Monday mornings, go to court. Sometimes I'm in one court. Sometimes I'm in court in the morning in one county and then in another county in the afternoon. Um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, I would do depositions. Um, so deposition at 10, deposition, deposition at 2. I would get my cases the night before, read over a thousand to three thousand to four thousand pages of discovery of medical records, prepare for the cases, come in, depose people, ask them questions. Um, sometimes they were lay people, sometimes they were experts, get in the car, drive again, do it all again at two o'clock and drive home. Mm. So my mornings would start with me leaving the house around five, probably getting home at seven. Um eating, trying to maybe go out with friends and, you know, grab something to eat with them. And then from nine until 12, um, preparing for the cases the next day. And I'm like, this is not the way to live life. It's not sustainable for sure. Yeah. But you're a go-getter. So you were doing it, right? But like you said, it wasn't necessarily making the ends meet either. 
Yeah, I mean, um, public defender work did not make ends meet. Um, being an insurance defense attorney did pay well, but it did not pay enough to to sacrifice my mental health and sanity. Everything, yeah. Yeah, because you said you get a little bit of time with friends, you know, to keep your sanity because we need to be social. And then that's it. Yep. You go home, get ready. And so the time you are having with your friends, you're probably thinking about the whole time. I got to get home and get work, get, get back to work. Absolutely. Right. So, well, you know what? We're really glad that you made the decision to go out on your own and start this because you're here with us. Thank so you fast forward a little bit. You've got uh, your business and tell us a little bit about what your day to day is like now. It's a lot different. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so typically today's Tuesday, I lose track of days. Um, Monday is an admin day for me. So I get up, I meet with my staff at 10 o'clock every morning, um, Monday through Thursday, do a morning huddle. Um, I do administrative stuff on Monday. I check and see where all the cases are, what my trademark and copyright deadlines are. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I take meetings with either potential clients or clients. Um, do appearances such as this on podcasts, try to create my own content. Um, I'm doing, I'm, I'm not doing that well at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's tough. I need to it's tough. We're trying. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. More consistent on Fridays. I do not take any meetings, not with staff, um, not with anybody. I try to wind down on Fridays. I will work typically from about nine to three and um, stop at three. And that's why I went into business for myself. Right. And you fired your old bosses and now all your clients are your bosses. Now you got lots yep. of bosses. Yeah, but these are good <laughs> bosses. I like these yeah, bosses. Yeah, right. Right. You want to work hard for them, right? You want to win yeah. for them. That's what's cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Manny, anything you want to ask Corinne about kind of... Okay. So, you know, my question is related to your business. You know, like you, are, you specialize in trademarks and copyrights. Yes. So what's the basic difference? Not the Google uh, definition, you know? What's yeah. the basic difference? How is it like for a big, small business like like us? How can we differentiate between a trademark and copyrights? We always get confused when we hear these terms. It is actually really simple, especially in this day and age when you know people are talking about you know social media all the time. Um, the trademark is your brand. The copyright is your content. It's that ah. simple. So the oh, trademark that. is. It's like a big white light just went over my head. Why does no one ever tell us this? Oh, yes. yeah. Google so, always confuses all right. me. All right, Corinne. All so right. The invoice is in the mail. Right. The trademark is the name of your podcast. It's the name of your business. It's your logo. It's your graphic. Copyrights are your written material, your blogs, your website, your music, these podcast episodes that you're recording. That's your cop copy written material. I got my notes. We can end. We can end the show now. I'm getting back to work. <laughs> no, just kidding. That is. See, that's great. Good job, so, Manny. When you said like your trademarks are your uh, logos, you know your. Uh, so is how you know like necessary it is to to do this trademark right? your logos. Yeah, yeah. It's one hundred percent. We have a logo. It's one hundred percent necessary if you want to have a sustainable mm -hmm. business that is recognized by the public. So this is what happens. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Most people get an idea. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to open a business. They go, you know, on Fiverr, get somebody to, you know, make a logo for them. They start their podcast. They start putting out all this content and they look up and a year later, somebody else has the same exact logo and they're doing the same exact thing. And well, our know, old logo it, that happened with our old logo. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. Um, and what I tell people is you actually need to start your business venture with your trademark. Um, you need to talk to an attorney, you know, such as I, um, find, take them your name, take them your proposed logo. When you get your logo that's actually created by somebody else, you need to get a copyright transfer agreement. Um, just because you pay for the logo doesn't mean it belongs to you. It belongs to the person that created it. So they need to transfer those rights over to you. You need to file it with the trademark office, even if you're not using it yet. So if for instance, your business is your podcast um, and you're going to like, oh, you know, we're going to start in six months. I don't care. Go ahead. Trademark your logo now. So it's protected when if and when somebody tries to use it um, in the future. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> when you're talking about your logos, you know, you, when your first logo might be of a different color, can you have uh, multiple colors trademarked as your Logo yes. when you're registering yes. it? Yes. So typically I advise people to trademark your name. So, 
you know, trademark the name of your podcast. And then if you have a logo for your podcast or a graphic for the podcast, trademark that in black and white. That will cover you if you want to use other colors. So for instance, if your logo is in blue and yellow and you trademark it in blue and yellow, it's only protected in blue and yellow. Um, so if somebody else takes it and they have it in red and white, it's not protected. But if you trademark it in black and white, you know, it is protected. And then I would say, you know, if you really want to be strong, then trademark it in blue and yellow. Oh, wow. That's okay. really important. That's black and white, black right? And white, black and white is the way to go. Gets you, wow. gets you everything. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I didn't know that. Thanks. Thanks, Karin. You're welcome. That was valuable information. That was really good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit because you're more interested in the technical nature of things. I'm more interested in the people. Tell, what was the hardest thing about starting your business, Karen? What was the biggest struggle? Um, you know, in getting actually, let's back up. How long have you? How long have you been in business for yourself? I would say I opened the firm in 2019. I didn't really start practicing until 2020. And my first clients, um, um, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Um, I got my clients through networking. Um, so by way of background, I was a school board member for 18 years for a charter school in Philadelphia. The charter school had attorneys. However, they did not, um, they did not cover intellectual property. So for 18 years, I've known these attorneys, you know, we talk, we're always at school board meetings together. And then when they learned that I opened practice and this is what I specialized in, they were like, hey, our other clients need these services. So that's how I got started. Um, you know, you never know what your relationships with people are going to lead. You know, people like run into networking all the time. Like, let's say you go to a net networking happy hour and you might try to get somebody's business like the next day. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen like that. You know, people get to know each other and make trust each other, you know, over time. And then it's like, oh yeah, I trust you with my business. I trust you know, you to give my clients to you. So that was how I obtained my first clients. The rest of my clients um, came from social media. So I started posting on social media, you know, this is what I do, um, which is funny because I'm I'm a big social media person. I I, I love Facebook. I'm addicted. Zuck, Zuck has me. I'm, I'm a mean person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I post memes all day, every day. And like one day I was like, you know what? These people just think I post memes for a living. Uh, let me tell them <laughs> Professional exactly, memer. you know, what I do. And because I'm an entrepreneur, I network with a lot of entrepreneurs. And they're like, oh yeah, I need this service. Um, so that's that's how I get clients. So uh, the other part of that is what's the what's been your biggest struggle? What's the big the the, the biggest low point? I, mean, I love high points. Believe me, I'm a positive, glass full kind of guy. But the stories we never hardly ever hear about are the biggest struggles and how you overcome them. So what mm -hmm. what was the toughest thing about you about going out on your own for you? Um, cash flow. Yeah, I mean point blank cash flow. You know, um, if you have a business, you know, if I go into this, I don't just just do trademarks, but that is 90% of my business. So, you know, if I have my number that I need to hit, this is how many trademarks I need to, you know, to do this month. This is how many clients I need to obtain this month. Months are great. Some months are slower, but, you know, having consistent cash flow um, is the, it's the low point, you know, of the business. Um, as a result, I'm starting a subscription service. We'll get into that later if you guys are just, That's what I was going to ask. I was just going <laughs> to ask that, Corinne, because my next question was going to be, do you build your revenue on more of a project basis based on every, each thing at a time or on what we would call in the IT business um, monthly recurring revenue or MRR, right? Um, building an as-a-service type approach to whatever you're doing for people. So a majority of my business is the monthly recurring re revenue or what I call a subscription service. So that's really for high volume content creators. If you are constantly putting out content every month, um, you essentially have me. Um, what I do with those uh, those clients, they have a flat fee that they pay every month and then uh, trademark and copyright unlimited content. Um, all they have to pay extra are the filing fees. 
So again, it's for a heavy producing content creator. So again, podcasters, um, online course creators. I told you I work for charter schools, um, schools, mm-hmm. if they are creating their own curriculums, anybody that is constantly pumping out content every month, that's who my service is for, for that. Now, if you are a small business owner um, that isn't pumping out content, but yet you still need to protect your business by way of, you know, getting your trademark, um, having your contracts, you know, in place. A lot of times people go out, um, they start their business, there there are no contracts in place. Um, so that's another service that we offer, you know, independent um, independent contract contracts, uh, non-disclosure agreements, uh, those type of things. Okay. Very good. Um, oh, you already did the, the copyright. Yeah, I and talked about question. trademarks. So, you know, like these people, I mean, not these people, I mean, these days people are uh, using AI for building contracts or finding oh, out yeah. how to do trademarks. I mean, how's that, you know, like affecting your business? Um, it's, It really hasn't changed my business at all. Okay, you you go to ChatGPT, who I'm I'm a big fan, love ChatGPT. Um, go to ChatGPT, hey, can you um, write out a non-disclosure agreement for me? ChatGPT will tell you, I am not an attorney. Um, do you know if that non-disclosure agreement cuts muster? Does it cover everything that you want it to cover? Um, does it cover jurisdiction? Does it cover uh, what happens if there's a dispute? Does it cover whether you're going to go to arbitration and go to trial? So those are the type of things that you. D- I suggest people go to the attorney with. So for instance, we will do one-off contract reviews. Um, if somebody comes to me and they created their contract on AI, but they just want an attorney to look it over, um, we do that too. So it really has not changed my business. Um, yeah, AI can't do that. AI can help. So, right. Yeah, AI, what maybe AI is doing, you know, like people are coming up with their own contracts using AI. They are coming to you and then you find lots of problems in there, right? Yep. And maybe they are ending up paying more, you know, because you are spending more time correcting that. Absolutely. So for people like those, what's your advice? Go to an attorney. <laughs> go to an attorney. Go, go to Corinne. Go to an attorney, come to me, you know, um, pay for the consultation. Um, that That is, a, when you talk about low points, that is another low point in my business. Um, I do charge for consultations. I do do a 15-minute intro co- conversation with folks, or at least my firm does, to figure out if we can help service you. So, you know, somebody might call me and they have, you know, a traffic ticket. I don't, I don't handle that. That's what the 15 minute conversation is for. Can I, can I help you? If this is something in which I can help you with, let's have a consultation. Um, and there's two. Um, I do a discovery call that's kind of to answer questions like this. You know, what's the difference between a trademark and a copyright? What type of contracts mm-hmm. do I need in my business? Or people might come to me and say, hey, I found out. Joe Blow over there is using my mark, you know, on Facebook, what should I do? That's what I call a strategic session. And we map out a strategy and then decide whether or not you want to continue on with your legal services. And, you know, everybody does not need full-blown legal services, but some people do. You know, there there are people, I tell people, especially when it comes to trademarks, because like I said, that's 90% of the business. The most important phase in the trademark process is the research up front. Um, a lot of times people will go into Google, they'll type in, again, I'll use you guys, they'll type in the podcast name. And it's like, oh, I don't see it out there anywhere. But did you check the trademark office? Did you check, you know, domain names? Did you check all the social media? Did you te- check the state registers? Um, those are the deeper searches that we do as, you know, as trademark attorneys. And we come back to you and tell you our findings. So say, for instance, you have a podcast name and somebody used it three years ago, but they never did anything with it. You know, should I go for it with that or mm-hmm. not? Do I want to take the risk? Um, sometimes I've had clients that think their name is, you know, easy breezy. But when we look, it's like, oh, it's kind of close to this, you know, brand over here. And they're very litigious. You know, they have filed, um, you know, 80 lawsuits, you know, in the past in the past year. So one of those is Entrepreneur Magazine. So anybody using Entrepreneur in anything, be, be aware, Entrepreneur Magazine is coming for you. Wow. 
So years ago, here's a little story. I completely forgot about it until you started talking about the litigious nature of companies with logos and stuff. So my first job in IT sales was for a little company called Tech Squad IT. My buddy Chris made it years ago, over a decade ago. But that was right around the time Best Buy launched their Geek Squad brand. All right. So Geek Squad, Tech Squad, different. And the logos didn't look the same, but that didn't stop lawyers from Geek Squad serving Chris letters saying, hey, cease and desist with this name. Now, we didn't. They didn't come after us. So I think it was more of a sales, uh, not sales, a scare tactic. But they they tried for sure. Yeah. So again, if you have something like that, you, you know, and again, if you do that at the beginning, if you do that at the beginning, you have a choice to say, I'm going to go full force with this, or maybe I want to change it because I don't even want to deal with those problems down the line. And a lot of people um, avoid trademark registration because they say it's expensive um, or the lawyer for this is expensive, but you end up dumping, not dump, dump's a bad word, but you might spend $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, $50,000, you know, on your company in only to find out that it's going to be an issue later. So had you invested that money up front because your trademark registration is an investment, um, that could have been avoided. Um, you're more protected. And then you're in the position to send out the cease and desist letter. So for instance, right now, um, if you are, if you're selling on Amazon, if you are, if your brand is on Facebook, um, TikTok, uh, all the social medias and you want to file um, basically a, a, a if you want to file a DCMA action, basically telling them, hey, somebody's stealing my stuff. The very first question is, are you registered? You know, if you're not registered, um, they might say, hey, I can't do anything for you. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's move on to the kind of the topic yeah, of the day. Question, you oh, know, like, you before question? Okay, we move on. So this is kind of, I think it's important, you know, like people who have businesses in multiple countries. Mm -hmm. So if a trademark registered in US, is it like valid globally? Yeah. Or do I? No. No. Okay. So you, um, there is what's called the Madrid protocol that helps you trademark in multiple countries. Okay. So it's multiple countries, but not globally. I mean, so you, know, you, like have, you to, have to you have to go out to different countries. Yeah. What about copyrights? I mean, I have seen copyrights. You know, like copyright by this, copyright by that. You know, like is is that also global or it's only like you only have U.S. protection. You would have to file for copyrights in other countries. But here's the thing with copyrights: once you put something into a tangible medium, you own the copyright, right? So this this video recording. Today, you own the copyright. You can put your C, you know, on it and say, you know, this is mine, all rights reserved, meaning nobody else can use this without my without my consent. But if they do, um, and you do want to come after them with a cease or desist or file a lawsuit, the first thing they're going to ask is, is it registered? If it's not registered, there is okay. um, a very expensive process to do a rush re registration. Um, but why? But why go through that? Um, <laughs> and also in this day and age of constant, um, content creation, um, you can batch register. So if you're a photographer taking a bunch of photos, you can register those, um, you can register, you know, a bunch of your blog posts. Um, one thing that I know that you guys didn't ask about this, but I think it's important that I tell folks, um, uh, a photo of you yourself is not necessarily your photo. It belongs to the person who took it. So I don't know if you've heard, That's you true. know, of like uh, Taylor Swift or Ky Kylie Jenner, or one of these, you know, big name celebrities see a photo of themselves on Instagram. They think it's cute. They take it, they post it on their Instagram. Boom, they're hit with a lawsuit from the photographer because that photo belongs to the photographer. It doesn't belong to them. Yeah, try to go to like a photo developing store or even like a Walmart to get, if those people back there look at the photos they're gonna develop and they look somewhat professional, especially if there's a watermark, they won't touch them unless you have a letter from the photographer releasing the images to be copied in. Oh, I didn't and, know yeah. that. Yeah. So wow. NIL, you know, uh, I don't know what it stands for, but I'm guessing you're gonna tell us, but you know, I've been a sports fan forever, even though 
you know, the last few years raising a family and a business stuff, I don't get around to it as much as I used to. But for years, it was always a topic. I'd be listening to sports radio or whatever. The big topic was collegiate athletes and their right to their, their own, their really to make money from their name or to be able to profit from their name as opposed to the, the institution. Cause, and I was telling Manny about this a couple of days ago, as an example, when I went to college, my first few years, I studied art because I wanted to be an art teacher. So, but I remember having to sign off as a freshman on a document saying that any art that I created as an art student did not belong to me, even if I didn't do it in class, even if I did it in my dorm, even right. as long as I was a student, any art that I created was not my own and the school could use it how they see fit. I didn't like it back in, back then, but as an 18 year old kid, I didn't know what the heck, I, I didn't think I had any rights or anything. And maybe I didn't then, maybe I do now. I don't know if this applies to that kind of stuff, but for, for athletics, a big deal, multi-billion dollar industry, um, love it. institutions of higher learning. They do a great service for our society, but at the same time, I think they do Absolutely. a disservice to athletes by, um, I've always felt this. I was a very low level athlete, but I've always felt like the, you know, the big athletes, yeah, they're going to make a lot of money, but some of them never get to that point. Some of them, we, I just had a meeting with a, a client of ours who for a couple of years, he was in sports psychology professionally and, and he started a nonprofit trying to help families of students and collegiate athletes that committed suicide because of kind of, you know, going through that part of their life, thinking they're going to be make it big time in athletics and such a small percentage of them make it, you know, but all this whole time they've been working for less or really less than minimum wage, you know, doing work study programs or stuff, you know, so I'll quit blabbing. Tell us about the awesome work you're doing, Corinne, with with NIL. So NIL stands for Name, Image and Likeness. Um, It it has been around for for decades. However, um, the NCAA did not allow it until... 2021. So like you said, you have these student athletes, they're playing for the school, you know, they're, they're playing their butts off. Um, but yet they risking their, their life and limb, yeah. really, you get hurt, you're yep. done. Life, limb, CTE, the whole nine. Um, and all this money is coming to the school. Um, all the media money is going to the school. Um, so let's say for instance, you were, uh, you're in high school. Let's say you're a gamer. This is what, this is what's going on with the kids. Um, you're a gamer, you're making money, you know, playing games, you're on Twitch, you're on YouTube, but you're a college athlete, you know, you sign with a university. Now they would, let me back up. Before 2021, they would tell you, if you come play for the school, you can't make money gaming anymore. <laughs> you know, they weren't allowed. What? I didn't, yeah, really? they, they were not allowed to make, you know, any additional monies. So if they had a cast or if they were an influencer of some sort, that's got to go right. out the door. No longer. So now they can, you know, make money off of their own name, image, and likeness. And it, and this is huge. Um, so so how do you do it? Um, I will say that people hear about the, you know, Shador Sanders and, you know, all the top players um, that are getting deals, you know, left and right and cars. And you know, so that happens for a very small 1% of college athletes. The average college athlete that is getting NIL deals, they're probably making around 3000 a year. Um, that can go up, it can go down, you know, and it depends on in the way that they get NIL deals um, come in different places. Um, some people or some of the student athletes sign up on what's called the marketplace. Some of the schools have them. So it's kind of like a dating site for student athletes and brands. So, you know, they go on the site, the brand says, hey, you know, we're doing a campaign. Can you do, you know, six Facebook reels, you know, for six months, you know, we'll pay you, you know, $50 per reel or, you know, it's an apparel company and they'll say, hey, we'll give you some free gear, you know, post, you know, wearing our gear and we'll give you a coupon code right. and you get, you know, 20%. But obviously, you know, you want to make as much money as you can um, possible. So what I stress to student athletes that I work with and parents, because I'm, I'm talking to parents, you know, as soon as the student athlete starts making money using their name, image, and likeness, they they are a business. You know, as soon as you make over $600, you got to yeah. pay taxes, right? So um, what's happening is a lot of student athletes don't know this. Um, 
a lot of the universities don't know this. Um, if the university has a compliance office, uh, um, most of the student athletes have to report the fact that they have an NIL deal, but they don't look at the contracts and they can't. They can't look at your contract and tell you, you know, whether right. it's good or not. So just like the um, situation that you had, Brian, at school, you know, signing off and saying, you know, everything that I do now belongs to the school. That's happening in these NIL deal contracts. I looked at one um, oh, wow. where a student athlete, um, the management company, uh, the sports, the sports management company said, yeah, we'll file trademarks for you. Um, and they'll be your trademarks if you ask them in writing, you know, after having them for a year. Otherwise, the management company owned their trademark. That makes no sense. You know, so mm. I mean, I literally have mm -hmm. one of my shortest TikToks ever. And it says every student athlete needs an attorney. You know, somebody needs to look out for you. Look over, you know, these contracts, not your mom, not your dad, not your coach. Yeah. Not the attorney that's a friend of a family that does, you know, hit and runs or real estate, you know, somebody that knows contracts and knows specifically, you know, intellectual property. When you do these, you know, videos for these, uh, for the brands, who owns the video? Um, do they own it? Do you own it? How long do you have to keep it? Do you have to keep it up for six months? Do you have to keep it up for a year? What, who, what, what do you do with the video after you're done? Um, who can, it's, it's, it's so much. It's, it's a lot. And, it's so new and um, there's so much money out there to be had. Um, it's not supposed to be pay for play, uh, but. It's exciting to me. I mean, this is neat because I, I think about this and my mind kind of tries to wrap around everything. This can be a huge win-win for everybody when you look at it. Like, first of all, yeah, if I'm talking to athletes I'm, and this is the, this is the way that it works now, don't be penny wise pound foolish on this. Don't ask your mom or your best friend or someone who went on Google to to be your quote unquote legal expert to make sure mm -hmm. that, you know, this is you that you're protecting, right? So, and if you do it like and you work with someone like you Karen who's going to who's going to make it a fair deal and a win-win from a standpoint, yeah, there's a cost to it, but you're going to benefit. And I look at us as a business owner. Our community isn't from a standpoint of local intercollegiate athletics and things like that. It's not huge. We've got like a division three school and we've got some small state schools, but nothing where there's a lot of celebrity going on there. But I could see in a community like Green Bay, an hour north, there's UWG D1 basketball program. You know, those games are televised live. Those kids are known in the community. And if I'm in business up there and I'm, and I see, and I want to connect our business to a really good athlete who I think is a good character and upstanding person, I would love to pay them money to wear a panacea owl. You know what I mean? And that's because I get to grow my business. He gets to grow his brand. And the school gets to benefit as well. I mean, it's that's the the nice thing about this marketplace that's being created by this NIL work. That's what I see. I don't know. I just... Yeah, that's that's how I see it. And actually, um, when you mentioned the 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 local businesses, I I tell student athletes, that's the way to go. You know, again... People are looking at like Beats by Dre. Like, don't even look at them. Look at, you know, Bob's, you know, tires. Tire and auto yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, down the street locally. Um, you, you The chance that you'll get that deal versus a Beats by Dre deal is a lot higher. Um, you'll get more, um, more recognition. And again, I tell them, this is the start of your business. So even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, right? You're a student athlete. Um, you know, you're making a couple dollars. I remember being a broke, you know, student, you know, now you have some money in your pocket. Um, you do have the opportunity to start your own business or put money away for your savings or give money to your family because some of the student athletes do send money, you know, do send money home. Um, you can create a relationship with that brand that you work with. Maybe you go work for them. You know, you never know. There's so many opportunities, you know, that are out there. And for that, for that small period of time where there is NIL for student athletes, because everybody just says NIL now and it's, you know, for student athletes. But when you grow out of that, you can become an influencer. It's the same thing. It's just, you know, it's just you're not under the NCAA, you know, rules or guidelines anymore. You know, if you're not a student athlete. So, you know, NIL applies to anybody that is using their name, image and likeness. So I don't know if you guys are following um, the Michael Orr case. 
I, I fight with people on Facebook, you know, all the time. Um, so, you know, Michael Orr was the subject, you know, of the blind side. The Tuis took him in. They had him signed to a yep. conservatorship yep. as opposed to, you know, adopting him. Um, and what the what they're trying to say is, you know, we only made so much money, you know, off of this movie. You know, we we gave him his fair share. Um the writer was just on on the writer of the book was just on 60 minutes the other day like hey i sold the rights this is how much we made off the book you know i gave them you know $125,000 don't quote me on that um and that's it there's really no money there i'm like but what you're forgetting is the Tui's built a whole empire off of the blind side using michael and his name image and likeness would you have your nonprofit but for him you're out here, you're selling t-shirts, you're, you're, you're starting mm -hmm. businesses off of this notoriety. Um, they did not, um, do what they were supposed to do under the conservatorship, which was, uh, submit an accounting of everything that's going on since then. So it's not about just the money mm. he made or could have made directly from the movie. It's the indirect money that's out there. That's based upon his name, image and likeness. If there was no Michael or <laughs> there would be no. Have you seen this movie? Side. Manny, have you seen this movie? Yeah, it's yeah, a really I, good movie. No, it's a I really neat movie, story. Yeah. I mean, I've I, seen it a couple of times, and I only heard loosely about the situation. But I, I mean, I tend, I tend to agree with you, Corinne, in that you know whether it's the Tatuis or Michael had like had Michael had somebody or had they all done the things the right way from the beginning. Correct. How could this situation be avoided? Right. I mean, I, I, you, you never know, you don't know people unless you really know people, but I tend to always, and sometimes it bites me in the butt, but I try to see the best out of everybody, right? And ideally you want, you know, if this, this kind of story to come out all roses, but it doesn't always happen like that. So what's, so what do you find is the, is the biggest, um, the biggest uh, polarizing part of this story, Corinne, that you find yourself kind of conflicting with? with folks that talk about it. The fact that they were not honest with him. Mm. Um, some people say, well, he knew it was a conservatorship. They didn't keep that from him. Okay. Did he really realize what that was as opposed to adoption? Right. You know, um, again, if they submitted the accounting to the court every year, like they should have done under the conservatorship, um, then there would be no problem. Mm. But the fact that they didn't do that for all of these years. So what are you hiding? Mm -hmm. that's the problem that I have with it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's the lack of transparency. So this whole feigning, oh, you know, we always wanted to do what's right by him. Well, where's the accounting every year? So how do we, how do like, let's say things, if things were going to work out, how does this whole situation turn into a win-win from your perspective as a legal expert? Um, they have a forensic accountant come in, um, determine how much money the TUIs have made from the blind side and everything that branched off, you know, from there and decide what percentage he is owed from what was done in the past and what mm -hmm. percentage he's owed of what goes on in the future. Is Michael protected based on his rights and kind of the legal stuff that that was set up for him or not set up for him? I mean, how much uh what am I, what how much trying to say this? I'm probably not I'm probably botching it, but what I'm trying to say from his standpoint, what could he have done? when he was younger to put him in a place to have made this easier to deal with now? Get his own attorney Get to look over attorney. the conservatorship papers. Yeah. And, and what happens is, and I, like I said, I talked to a lot of parents um, in, in a perfect world, you know, mm. all parents would have the best interests of their child, you know, at heart, but some don't, you know, you hear about this with like child actors, you know, all the time, oh gosh, and their parents, you know, right. taking advantage oh. of them and stealing their money and, you know, all those things. Um, so that's why I say everybody, if you're over the eight, the age of 18, you know, even if your parent has looked over, you know, your contract, go get your own attorney and, you know, come to me, come to other, you know, attorneys that work in NIL go to the law school. Some of the law schools have NIL clinics now um, where they will offer the services, you know, pro bono. A lot of us that look over the contracts for student athletes, we know they don't have money right now. You know, right. some of us will do, you know, we'll do it pro bono. But, you know, we again, people do charge for their services. 
Um, So I'm not saying that everybody is going to be free, but it's an investment, you know, in your future, you know. Yeah. And, you know, hindsight being what it is, we can look back and see coulda, shoulda, woulda. But again, at the point in time when you're going on and you're playing college or you become, you know, an NFL star, you're still pretty young. And I'm not saying necessarily that the Tui's did this or anything. I'm not making any kind of accusation. But uh, what you hear about with a lot of athletes is they get a lot of people attracted to them that don't have their best interest in mind, um, you know, and man, so many young men, young women too now with, uh, you know, uh, uh, professional athletes being more and more women with new leagues and actually, you know, WNBA has been around a long time, but they get taken advantage of, yep. you know, they're not taught necessarily principles of finance and, and personal, you know, leadership and all that kind of stuff. So. So here we are talking about, you know, like, taken advantage of by the family right to some yeah well to some extent you know like but you know like when you are a kid you are that young kid you know 17 18 years old i mean throughout your life you have been told you know like don't talk to strangers don't oh yeah you know, or like, at, yeah. at what point so do you use how, your, yeah, yeah. your family so, trying yeah. to protect you maybe you know yeah you know? so the first people that you always you know like uh, listen to or uh, trust is your family is it like easy for kids like this who are getting better and better in whatever they are doing to straight away go to a hard. No, attorney no. You know and I, ask I for advice? I don't think it's easy. I um, don't know what to do. Yeah. But most people want to trust their parents. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I think I, I, a lot of things, maybe, Corinne, you've, you've, you've experienced this in life. And Manny, we talk about this a lot, is situations that we kind of see from the outside looking in and we can look at evidence and we can look at things but sometimes uh, the 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 reality is sometimes never always on the polar sides you know sometimes it's in the middle but how do you know where that is you know and like a little bit of this and a little bit of that it's 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 a shame and like I that's why I asked like you know best case scenario how can this turn out you know good for Mike and in in a way for and the family to where they can yeah, kind of good for recover. Mike, good for you know kids like Mike and yeah. their family. Yeah, I mean this I believe you know creates a you know uh, what do you call that uh, tension? Yeah, conflict, conflict you know, like yeah. tension between families. So, what's your favorite holiday this time of year? Fourth quarter, you know, is it Halloween? Is it Thanksgiving? Is it Christmas? Christmas? Is it another holiday? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. I love the spirit of giving. I I love especially when you have kids in your family. Yeah, it's nothing oh. like giving gifts or, you know, to a kid and seeing their face on Christmas. Um, so, yeah. Do you have kiddos? Do you have kids? I Karen? don't. I don't. You don't. But you, do you have brothers and sisters with kids or other kiddos in the family? My little brother, um, younger brother. I can't call him a little brother anymore. He's 40. <laughs> Still little. Still little. His baby it just turned eight months. So by Christmas, she'll probably be walking. I am so excited to spoil her. And she'll be able to open her gifts. And um, yeah, I have friends with kids. So I, I love Christmas. I do too. I always tell people that my favorite is Thanksgiving because I just love to eat and I love the food. That's my husband's um, favorite. <laughs> right. And I just love the no expectation behind it. But in all honesty, like I, Christmas is crazy because I, at that time of year, I, I go right back to being a little kid. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't, yes, I act immature. Let's just get that out there. I'm immature. But like, I've got four kids ranging from 12 all the way to two. And I just love like getting down on that level for that month and getting so excited about their list. We're already talking about their list. You know, they got the, they got the Walmart catalog, which was pretty lame this year, Walmart. I know you're not watching this, but that, that, that cat, toy catalog was not good. It's nothing like the old J.C. Sears oh, catalog. J.C. Like, Penney's or Sears, <laughs> Montgomery Wards. Yeah. Remember the oh the big old thick one? He's just yep. ah. Now it's Amazon. I get it on the computer. But anyway, they're cutting out stuff and pasting it on paper, and it looks like a looks like a ransom note for their toys. <laughs> you know that they want for Christmas, and they're pulling it up to me yesterday. I love it. I do. That's my, exciting. My, what, my but, favorite part of Christmas is, you know, like watching Christmas movies that come out every year. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah What's I your really favorite Christmas movie, movies. Manny? Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Like the one by th- Where he falls off the roof? Yeah, fall off the roof. Oh, all those series, you know, Tim like Hall- I love yeah. that guy. Tim Allen, yeah. I don't Allen, remember yeah. his name, but, you know, like, yeah, Tim Allen, yeah. Tim Allen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How about you, Corinne? What's your favorite Christmas movie? So I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's my most favorite one, but it's like the Griswold family Christmas. Um, oh, 
National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes, yes. Oh, that yes. Is my favorite. It must be watched That's, every year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, my, it's it's my number one, too. <laughs> that and Christmas Story, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. Those are my two favorites, depending on my mood. But, like, my son, who is 12, he was 11, I let him watch that movie for the first time last year. Because there's some, you know, some iffy situations in the movie and a little bit of language. Yeah. But, and he, it's so funny. Like, he's like, Dad, this is dumb. I'm like... <laughs> You are no longer my son. Out. <laughs> Out. Oh, I love that movie. It's so good. See, now now we're best friends. We're best friends now. <laughs> so he likes that movie? Oh, yeah. yeah we, I'll, I'll have you. So he, he, He's I mean, in depression. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for an I think what I did is all those years I wouldn't let him watch it. I was always talking about it being the best. I maybe built it up too much. And he didn't really get it. But I saw that movie. It came out in 89. Here's a little trivia. 1989 it came out i was nine years old because i was born in 80 i went to the movies and saw that movie by myself wow i was probably too young to be it's pg-13 i used to go to movies all the time this was down in beaumont texas but i went to the so movie by myself that you broke the law oh i'm on <laughs> so live funny. podcast remember the first okay, time okay. i saw the part where at the <laughs> end you know at, at the end the old lady saying the prayer yes <laughs> She died years ago. It's so funny. And my friends and I were just like laughing about this. Like, remember when we were young and like your parents used to like drop you off at the movie theater and the roller skating rink with like some money, like, oh, be back in three hours. (laughs) Yep. That was the best. I wish we could still do that. That doesn't happen right now. No, it doesn't. And I, you know, to some some degree, I think it could. I think media and social media and the interconnectedness of all the bad stuff that happens, we see it all all around us because we're constantly wondering. It's not just here, you know, like it's global, you know, like we used to ride, uh, go for bike rides, you know, like for miles and miles. Yeah. Yeah. But now we are afraid to send our kids out alone. Get out. Don't come back until the lights come on. Yeah. yeah, You know, I don't want to see your face here in the summertime until, but you better not be late. (laughs) Okay. So we got your favorite Christmas movie and your favorite holiday. Um, What do you, what, what do you got going on this weekend? Karen, what are you, what are you doing fun? So my husband and I are moving across a couple states. So that's why the shelves in the back are bare. Um, we go to settlement on the 19th. We're very excited. So we're moving from Pennsylvania to Maryland. So all wow. we're doing is packing. <laughs> so it's a couple states away. How far is that, honestly, it's, though? It's really only an hour and a half, which is which is good. Um, so I live in the Philadelphia area. Okay. Um, and a lot of my friends are between the Philadelphia area and the D- DMV, the DC area. So I'm yeah. kind of like smack in the middle. So I'm like, I'm, I'm so close to everybody. So uh, I'm missing my homecoming at Hampton University, which you know sucks. But I'm like, I guess, I'm getting a house though. I'll be all right. Yeah, homecoming will be cool. there. That's exciting. So is this your? Is this? Are you selling a home here and then buying another one? Or is this the first no. home purchase together? So, so we we are not. Um, we are going to sell the house after we purchase that house, which is which is good. Like on one hand, though, I wish we were because it would put more fire under my husband's butt to to pack. It's like, oh, we don't have to pack everything right now. Like, no, we got to go. We got to go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Just cut ties and get out of there. That's crazy. That's cool. Well, that'll be. They say moving is one of the most stressful things you could do. What is it like? Getting married, moving, and having children or something like that the top stressful things yep. you don't look very stressed you look you look full of energy full of life and ready exactly. to go this is my face for, I mean, for you brian and manny <laughs> i'll go back to being stressed after we get off this podcast <laughs> we just helped my we just helped my mom my mother-in-law and father-in-law move a couple weeks back and my mother-in-law is the neatest tidiest direct like like has to have decorations so it's like she plans it all out like if like we're moving stuff in no 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 don't put that there put that over there are you like that or are you more a little loosey-goosey with the with the way things are be set up oh no i'm like that i'm waiting for my um second batch of labels to come from amazon which say like living room dining room bedroom one bedroom two bedroom (laughs) three um i have my my google google sheet with like everything on it um all the contractors we talk to all the insurance companies and I tell him, like, you look at me like I'm crazy until it actually works out and you ask me a question and I know the answer. So I'm yeah. running around with, like, labels for the kitchen, for the dining room, for this, for that. Yeah. He's like, we could just all throw it all in bags. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, all right. Let's, uh, one, are you a sports fan? I'm an Karen? Eagles fan. You're an Eagles fan. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, we're five and out. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. So I won't talk about my I won't talk about my NFL team because we just got our butts kicked this weekend really, really bad. And Green Bay? No. Which is your NFL team? <laughs> Dallas. I knew you were gonna say pretty. that. <laughs> I was born in Houston, so mm. I grew up in I grew up in Texas, so and I can't <laughs> let them go. Um, but I don't hate the Eagles. Really, I don't hate any team. I just love football. But you know, it, when we play the Eagles, like like Eagles fans don't mess around. Nope. No, they they don't play around when it comes to rivalry. It's like it, so Dallas on the Dallas side, Dallas and Eagles. Yeah, yeah, crazy Dallas fans probably are violent about their about their dislike for the Eagles. But Eagles fans have a reputation of like beating up Santa Claus. So. Dallas and Eagles, they are the like biggest enemy? No, 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 no. But they're in the same conference. So okay. they play each other twice a year. And a lot of the times, you know, they're the two of the best teams in the conference. And uh right now, Eagles are definitely the best team. They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now, honestly. But it's kind of like, you know, and every compass conference has its big rivals. It used to be Dallas, Washington, but Washington hasn't really been a real threat in a long time. I would say So like which is the best team in this conference that you're Eagles. talking about? Right now in the Eastern it's the Eagles. <laughs> they're five and oh. They're one the, a proud Eagle fan. Yeah, they're five and oh. Are they the only undefeated team left? Yeah. I'm not sure. We were at this time last year we were the only undefeated team. Yeah, yeah. So Anyway, I, I still love you, Corinne. I won't. I, I still won't, love if you, you too, won't Ryan. Hold it against me, I won't hold it against you. Okay, good. All right. But how about college sports? Do you follow college sports? Now, because of NIL, I I am <laughs> watching more college sports. Um, but so I like I said, I went to Hampton University. It's HBCU. Yep. Um, so they're they're an interesting college. Um, they used to be in the MIAC. Um. They have switched conferences, but because my potential clients are college athletes, I am starting to pay a lot more attention to college sports. So um, for Manny, because he probably doesn't know, you 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 said HBCU. Let me see if I get this right. Historically, black college and university. Kind of That's that correct. Group, is, that, is that a stand for some really cool schools kind of fall into that that category. So I didn't realize that that school is there because you don't hear as much about it as some of the others. So that's really neat. Um, any big D1 football schools that you like? I, I nope, mean, because okay. I'm PA, Penn State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Penn State. Okay, there, you're our second Penn State guest. Then. Our first, <laughs> David Kitchen. He's a Pennsylvania guy. Loves Penn State. They got a pretty good team. So we're just going to, we'll, we'll say you're pulling for Penn State this weekend to win. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll say. All right, that sounds good. So one of the things we've gotten the habit of doing is letting Manny teach us a little bit about cricket. So Manny, um, last week you taught us, what did you teach us about cricket? You ta ta taught us about overs, we, right? Yeah, yeah, overs, you know, like we talked about, ago. you know, like the different types of formats that we have in cricket and How to get what is out. going on currently in cricket these days. Yep. So as I told you last time, we are having World Cup, which is called like, you know, ICC World Cup happening. And there are a total of 48 matches that will happen, you know, like within this month and by the middle of the next month. So the finals are on the 19th, 19th November. Mm -hmm. And each team plays nine games approximately. I mean, nine games and there are like 10 teams in there. Okay. So who's, who's ranked number rivalry, one? Huh? Who's ranked number one? I mean, it just started. So is there any predictions like who's going to win? Is it? Yeah. So the predictions, I mean, my prediction is of course, you know, like India will be there in the final. So along with India, I'm guessing, you know, like England and South Africa is doing really good okay. this year. They are scoring really high. And the fourth team, maybe, you know, like I think it's between Australia and New Zealand. Mm. But, you know, like the biggest match is uh, happening on the 14th of October, which is happening in a, India in a city called Ahmedabad. And all the hotel rooms are booked. All Airbnbs are booked. Wow. Oh, what people have done, <laughs> they have booked hospital rooms, you know, to watch that match. You know, they have admitted themselves, <laughs> you know, crazy. like they're saying that, okay, we'll come up for a one-day checkup. Yeah. One-day checkup and we'll sleep there. But what they're actually doing is, you know, going to watch, they will watch the match and then go and sleep in there because sleep there are the no rooms room. available. In the whole city. That's so funny. Yeah. I'm surprised they allow that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's new. It's new. I mean this is the like biggest rivalry in the cricket world, India and Pakistan. So These that's the countries. match. On Whenever the 14th. they play, that's huh? the match on the 14th. Yeah, that's the match on the 14th. 
and every year if you know like india loses or if pakistan loses lots of people like like thousands and thousands of tvs are broken <laughs> every year people toss their tvs i see yeah. those youtube videos about people doing yeah. that that's yeah. crazy yeah so yeah but it's fun i mean it's a high pressure match the players feel it the uh, you know citizens of both the countries feel it I never watch this match because I cannot take that uh, all that excitement. <laughs> all TV you know, races my heart. Yeah. Is it like the Super Bowl for us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Probably. So, Karen is is professional football your favorite sport? Yeah. All right. So, since that's the case, we have to t I need you to teach Manny something about professional football. So, last week, last week Marty said, so I, give me a give me a basic principle to teach Manny. He said protect the rock. And he's like, the rock? What are you talking about? There's rocks in football? I'm like, no, it's the ball. The so ball. Don't fumble. The ball. Right? Don't fumble. The ball. So if you were going to give Manny uh, a key to American professional football, what would you what would you say? Get a good kicker. Get a good kicker. Okay. Tell us a little bit why. It's a make it or break it. You know, you come down to the wire. Um, the teams are going to have to decide to go for it, you know, or mm -hmm. not. Um and the kicker, it's it's all on him or her. Yeah. They are, they are in those moments, right? Yeah. Like they don't necessarily every play is win or lose a game in football. Like my my son will I'll say this on every sport. No one play wins or loses a game because there's so much that builds up. You know, early in the game, someone could have done something better and you could have been up 14 points instead of down two, right? But you're I think you're absolutely right, Corinne. Like oh. kickers have a lot of pressure on them. Football fans most of the time hate kickers. Or at least what? players, they hate kickers because kickers typically aren't the most physical people yeah. on the team. Um, they have to be accurate. A lot of times soccer players become professional kickers. So there's a couple different ways to use kicking in a football game. Kick off after a score at the beginning of the game. Punt the ball after you run out of downs. If you don't get a first down, you got to punt the ball if you're in bad field position. Or to kick a field goal or an extra point after, extra point after a touchdown. How much is the, uh, you know, like... Kicker scores like a if he's a field goal is worth three points. Okay, and uh, uh, extra point is just an extra one point. So a touchdown is six points. Has anyone ever, you know, like hit a goal from one side of the field? Not all the way on the other side. I don't know what the record. I don't know what the longest, longest kick is. is. Yeah. but it's sixty some yards easy. Right. I don't know if you Actually, ever heard 60. the term. You had one job. That applies. You, <laughs> you failed. You have one job. <laughs> I'm I'm beginning to sense a little bit of historical animosity with kickers in some games where you, you thought you should have won some games had the kicker done there. One, one job. job. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like you yeah, more that, and that, more. That, I like a football fan. And... Yeah. Thanks. I have a quick question for you guys. You bet. Have y'all played pickleball yet? You go first. Okay, that's the answer for Manny. What is that? Years ago, back in like 2011, I used to work for a YMCA okay. uh, in, in marketing. And uh, folks would get together, come in the gym, and they'd set up the the nets. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, this is pickleball. Like It's like giant ping pong, big ping pong paddle looking things. And they hit a plastic ball. There's two people on each side usually on a team. You know, two people on a team. And they go back and forth. And there's a little it's court. Like a it's a lot tennis. of fun. It's kind of like tennis, but different rule set. Yeah. A lot of fun. Oh, Do you play? Okay. I have not played yet. One of my clients is developing um, a picket ball line. That's how I know about it. But it's oh. like you don't hear of new sports often in the U.S. Like who comes up with a new sport? So this is like biggest new sport, you know, in the United States. And back back then, it was just the kind of the retired folks that would come in every day to the to the Y, and they were in their sixties and seventies, and they were whacking, around, you know, and they they taught me how to play, and they'd you know let me play and stuff like that. But they were, and they weren't necessarily athletic, but they were really good at spinning shots and making them go certain directions. And then my my in laws used to have a place in Arizona, and we'd go down. This is again eight or nine years ago. We'd go down to so visit them. Basically, it's a and they play pickleball at the country club. Table tennis and shorter version of lawn tennis. Yeah. Okay. But the rules are the same. No, not quite. Oh, Similar, okay. but it's fun. It's, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Like only in US or like I think it's I think this it's is spread the first out. time I'm hearing about that. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like again, I don't know internationally if it's popular, but it's definitely gaining popularity here. Oh, okay. I've never seen a pickleball 
I, I don't know why it's called pickleball because there's no pickles involved. <laughs> Maybe you get yourself in a pickle if you get your, find yourself out of position, but yeah, I don't hey, know. Interesting meme. Yeah, fun game. So that's okay. an awesome question. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up pickleball. Well, Corinne, this has been awesome. This might be my new favorite. This has been great. Favorite yeah. podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it and uh, you know, let's keep in touch. We'll connect. Absolutely. Uh, you know, on, on LinkedIn and, and stuff like that. And heck, we Manny and I, I think we haven't we've nodded. You know, we need to talk about RIP. Yeah, we need to talk about yeah. getting serious about it because you know we're growing and there's some value there, and we need to protect it. So, all you guys out there, Absolutely. make sure if you've listened to this. You know, connect with Corinne, comment on here. Let us know what you're doing with your businesses or your thoughts on on uh, IP. 